Well, good morning, and I am thrilled to be here with all of you today. Should we talk about the Magi? <laughs> today, I have titled this sermon, The Road to Salvation Passes Through Egypt, and it reminded me you're going to have to uh, give me some help on this one. It reminds me of something from Lord of the Rings when they're going to, to Mordor. The, the road to Mordor passes through where is it? I, I couldn't remember. I didn't rewatch the movies, but there were all these different kingdoms or lands or roads that they had to pass through. They were, it was dangerous territory, but in order to get to the goal, to where they wanted to go, where they had to go in order to destroy the ring, they had to pass through all this different territory. Just like the story of... Christmas. So today, the road to salvation passes through Egypt. If you're just joining us, if you need a refresher, what we've been doing through this season of Advent is we have been following Matthew's Christmas story. We've been looking at all the different usages of the Old Testament uh, that Matthew includes in his story about the birth of Jesus. Because within these Old Testament passages that Matthew quotes, there are universal truths. Truths that were true, uh, things that were true before the time of Jesus, things that were true at the time of Jesus, and things that are true for us in the world today. Last week and the week before, uh, we were at the manger with the Magi. Today, I want to travel beyond the manger. Because the story of Christmas, it continues. For Matthew, it continues beyond the manger. So here's where we are in the story. We're in a world where Jesus, the Savior, has been born. Shepherds, Magi, Mary, Joseph, as Sammy said last week, the sheep, they're all at the manger. They have witnessed this birth, this birth of Christ into the world. Now that Jesus has been birthed, what's changed? There was this promise that has been in the world for years, generations. This child will bring you hope. This child will bring you peace and joy and love. And then Jesus is born. And so we celebrate every single year in December, a birth 2,000 years ago, do you always experience peace in your life? The salvation that was promised in Jesus, is. do you always see that truth in what you experience? Are you always filled with hope? We have the birth of Jesus, but, but what exactly has changed? Here's what Matthew tells us. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. After everyone had left. Everyone went home. And you know how that is. You're having a party at the house. Everyone leaves. And then there's that, that quiet moment. That's what it would have felt like for Mary and Joseph. Everyone has left. The party has just ended. And then an angel, the Lord, appeared to Joseph in a dream. He says, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. The birth of Jesus Hope, salvation, peace, and yet we still live in a world of murder. 
Uh, we still live in a world where evil is real. So Joseph got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Man, you know, this week, whew, uh, <laughs> the, this, these verses, this story, it really, it really got to me in a way in which it never has before. Here's the movement of the story. Uh, it's from Israel to Egypt. Here's another way of looking at the movement. It's from a promise to now there's a threat to that promise. You've been promised hope. You've been promised joy and peace. You've been promised that everything in which you long for in life will be fulfilled in this child. But now all of a sudden there's a threat to that promise. You ever experienced this in life before? The thing that you desire, it seems it's right there for the taking, but then something comes. It's like there's a, there's a glass window right there. You can see it, but you can't quite get to the very thing that you want. You, you can't even touch it. It's there. You can see it, but there's something that's separating you from all that you long for in life. This movement from promise to threat, it's a cycle that we see time and again in scripture. And it all centers around Egypt. If we go all the way back to the beginning of the story, we come to a man by the name of Abraham. Y'all know Father Abraham, right? He had many sons. I'm one of them. So are you. <laughs> Abraham journeys with his wife Sarah. Uh, God promises them land in Israel. They journey into Egypt. Well, what happens in Egypt? The Pharaoh wants Abraham's wife. So now a child that's being promised to Abraham, well, well, if Pharaoh has now taken his wife, Abraham can no longer have a child with his wife if now Pharaoh has taken this woman. So in Egypt, there's a threat to this promise that God has given for a child. I think about the nation of Israel. They're promised land. They're promised that they are going to be free, and then they travel down to Egypt, and they're enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Egypt, in the Bible, is always a threat to the promises of God. It's true for Abraham. It's true for Israel. It's true for Jesus as well. Egypt in the Bible is a threat to all that God desires for you, the salvation and hope that God desires to birth into this world. So the question has always been, will Egypt derail God's plan? That's the question that is raised again and again in the Bible. It's a question that is raised right here when we talk about the story of Christmas. Jesus, to be the fulfillment of all Israel has longed for, and now they have to travel to Egypt. If you are reading this story, if you know your Jewish history, you're now beginning to ask, is, is Egypt going to do it again? Are they going to derail God's plan of salvation for our people and for the entire world? Thank you. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> she knows what's up. She has read, read my notes. 
You know where the story's going? <laughs> it's perfect timing. I'll give you five bucks later. <laughs> so what exactly does Egypt represent? It represents all that holds you in bondage. All that enslaves you. All the things that hold you down in life. Egypt represents all that steals your hope. Everything in life that removes your peace and your joy. You ever experience a time in Egypt? Do you have your own Egypt experience going on right now in life? Is there anything that's holding you in bondage? Is there anything that's threatening to steal your joy? your peace, the hope that you desire. Now, Egypt, we can enter into Egypt voluntarily. Uh, sometimes it's our actions that bring us to this place. Other times it's involuntary. And we are just thrust into this land. We don't bring it upon ourselves. It's just something happens, and we're kind of we're, we're kicked into Egypt there's something that happens in life, something that uh, our hands had no part in making, but yet here we find ourselves enslaved or without joy. Here's a picture of how I feel uh, moving to the end of this year. Anyone else, you find yourself limping to the end of another year? You know, this year for us was supposed to be the year in which everything turned around. Last year, our house blew up, and it was a gut-wrenching experience for a year. So this year, we had all these hopes, all these expectations, all these dreams of what the year was going to look like. Yeah, that hasn't happened. Uh, we, this year, many of you know, it's just been a year of sickness for us. It's been one thing after the next. Uh, about two weeks ago, middle of the night, uh, I woke up and I heard my daughter in the other room with this gnarly barking cough. Uh, I jumped out of bed, ran into her room. She was having trouble breathing, grabbed Steph. We called the ambulance and we had to rush her to the hospital. And I was there all night. Thank you to Barry for coming to the rescue, staying at the house while uh, me and Steph were at the hospital with Kit so that Reese could sleep through the night. <laughs> Woke up the next morning. He had no idea what had transpired. <laughs> Five o'clock, he's ready to go the next day. I'm like, dude, I've had an hour of sleep. Please go back to bed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I remember the next morning just sitting there at the kitchen table like, what, like, what has happened to this year? I just wanted to give up, like throw in the towel. Like, can I like call in sick for the rest of the year? Hope meter just continuing to plummet. So right now it just feels like I'm limping to the end of another year. All these hopes of what this year was going to bring and whew, didn't quite happen. Uh, this year has been a threat to the promise of hope, the desire for joy, for the restoration of that which had been lost in this past year. Uh, it's been an Egypt experience this year and I guess last year you could say as well. Uh, 
uh, within the past couple of weeks, I've had multiple friends send me an email, give me a phone call, send me a text message. Uh, two people within the past month have said, hey, I'm battling an addiction. One person checked themselves into therapy. Another person said, I just need you to support me in this. I need your prayer. I'm going through a, a rough time. I need your prayers during this time. I had another friend who just said, uh, sent a text. He said, you know, I'm, I'm really losing hope right now. I'm having a rough situation at home with the family. We all have our Egypt. We all have the things that happen in life that act as a threat to the very promises of God. The promises that we're supposed to be celebrating this time of year, but when we stop and think and reflect as to what has happened or where we are, it's like, come on, Jesus was born, but it's not making a difference in my life. Jesus w was supposed to change everything, but yet even Matthew tells us immediately after the birth, there's a plot to kill Jesus. The world has changed, but yet it doesn't seem like the world has changed at all. Now here's the verse that Matthew quotes. It's from Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. It's a verse from Hosea, Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. This is what Matthew quotes when Jesus is uh, being called back from Egypt to Israel. Here's what's happening in the book of Hosea, one of the great prophets. The book of Hosea speaks about the faithfulness of God despite Israel's unfaithfulness. Uh, the prophet comes with a message, you have all been unfaithful to God, but God's never abandoned you. God's presence has never left you. As unfaithful as, as you have been, it doesn't matter. God has always been with you. So the book talks about God's never-ending mercy and God's constant love for all people. Hosea is a reminder of what's always been true. When Matthew quotes Hosea, He's reminding us again, his readers and us reading it 2,000 years later, something that has been true since the beginning of time. You have never been abandoned. Even when it feels that way. And when we are experiencing Egypt, it feels that way. I know that feeling. I've experienced it. It feels like we've been left behind, like God has removed his presence from our lives, from this world. The prophet Hosea, Matthew, comes in with this resounding claim. I, I know what it feels like, but here's the truth. God has never abandoned you. Even in your moments of unfaithfulness, when you look to yourself and you wonder, did I, did I blow it? Is my life the reason why, why things have ended up here at this place? I, I must have done something wrong to deserve this. Hosea's like, uh-uh. No. God's love and grace, despite what you might be believing or thinking or feeling, God's love and grace is always there with you. And then Hosea also, another truth of Hosea is that you were not meant to be slaves. You're not meant to live in bondage, enslaved to behaviors, 
ways of thinking, but rather you were meant to be free. God's desire for you, for all people, is your freedom. So yes, we all have our experience with Egypt, but here's the truth that Matthew claims. You have been called out of Egypt. And Jesus models this path for us. It's almost like by, by Jesus going down to Egypt, it's God saying, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to go through Egypt. You're going to have these moments, these experiences when it's all going to blow up in your face. But just so you know, the presence of Christ travels with you in those moments. And the presence of Christ will bring you out of those moments. It may take a while. It may take years. But I'm not leaving you in Egypt. I'm bringing you home. I'm leading you into the life, the place that you truly desire, a place of hope and joy and peace. Matthew continues his story. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This bottom portion, it's a quote from Jeremiah, chapter 31. Jeremiah is speaking about the exile, the time in which the Israelites have been removed from their home. It's a time of mourning, of sadness. It's a great time of loss. When Matthew quotes this verse, essentially what he's doing is he's telling us we have to mourn for what we have lost. Egypt brings an experience of loss. There's no denying that. A loss for what was, a loss for what we hoped for, the things that we thought were right there, well, they're no longer there with us. And Matthew is saying, unfortunately, yes, that's part of the human experience. The way through it, the way to salvation, is by lamenting all that has been lost. It's giving expression to the Egypt experience. If we go back to the beginning of the, the Exodus, all the way in Genesis chapter, or, sorry, Exodus chapter 2, we come to this section, uh, Exodus 2, ch- uh, verse 23. During that long period when the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, 400-year period, the king, the Pharaoh, had died. So the Israelites groaned in their slavery, and they cried out, God, please rescue us. This is unbearable. We cannot endure another minute of this. So they cried out. Hebrew word sa'ak, which some scholars say is the most expressive word in the Hebrew language, conveying this groan that emanates from deep down within your being. And their cry for help because their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. He heard their prayers. He heard them giving expression to all that pained them. 
in life, to their grief, their mourning. And he remembered. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. When I receive these phone calls, these texts, these emails, all my friends that reached out to me, what were they doing? They were groaning. They were giving expression to what they were going through in life. They were crying out, saying, I I, I need some help. I need some help. It's a rough period right now. I, I need some hope. I need something to hold on to. I need someone to stand with me in what I'm experiencing. Question for us. This Advent season, what is your Egypt? What's the Egypt that you are experiencing in this moment? What this year has stolen your joy? What's robbed you of your peace? What's taken away your hope? What feels like a threat to God's promise of hope, joy, and peace? I want to invite you this season to sit with that question and give it expression. Don't let it just sit there within you, lying dormant deep down, That will cause rot in your soul. Bring it out. Give it expression. Bring someone else into the experience with you. Ask someone, hey, will you pray with me? Will you listen to what's been sitting here this year? Now, as Abby told us before, the story does not end in Egypt. Matthew finishes the story. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went home. Here's how the story ends. Promise into Egypt, which is a threat to that promise, But then the story ends with a return back to Israel. The story ends with a restoration of that which has been promised. It's going to look different. Yes, your Egypt experience will change you. It will change your perspective. It will give you a different view of the world, different perspective on God, on the things that you truly long for in life. But the promise of God is that you will reach the salvation that you long for. The promise of God is that I will not leave you in Egypt, but I will take you back home to a place of fulfillment, of hope, and of joy. So as we finish this morning, I'm going to play one final song for us 
And I want to invite you to sit with that question as we listen to that song. Maybe you want to write it down. Uh, Maybe you want to grab someone else who's here in the room and just say, hey, can you pray with me for a moment? Whatever you need to do, totally fine. This is your space. Uh, But I want to invite you to just sit with this question for a while. What feels like a threat to God's promise of hope, joy, and peace this Advent season?